0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me, as always, on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And Saturday, guys, and look, it's just another one in a series of big wins, as we have now hit the halfway point of the regular season, 6-0. And now we're up to, I think, what was it, Kurt? Number four in the AP people? Is that sound about right? Yeah. I think that just came out right before we started recording here. So, none of that means much of anything. But look, I mean, I don't know if... I don't know how many people... In the preseason, I thought here at the halfway point, we'd be at number four in the country. I'm sure some of you out there did. I don't know if I was one of. Them. I thought we maybe had a shot, but I could, I can't honestly say and say I said yeah, we would be six, no, at number four in the country right now. So, it's it's definitely a great feeling right now. But there's a lot of football left to be played here. And today we're gonna break down all the happenings from our week six game. With Vanderbilt, And we're also going to explore the huge commitment of quarterback Justin Fields from Harrison High School. We simply cannot ignore that. The news was too big. It broke, obviously, Friday morning. I'm sure all of you were uh, in tune to that. But uh, we'll break that down a little bit here. But first, just a couple quick news items for you. For some of you guys that might be newer to the show. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. We always appreciate the interaction with you guys there. Love to hear what you guys have to say about uh, how the season's going, about the show. Whatever it is you guys have some thoughts on, we'd love to interact with you guys there. You can also email us at Podcast at gmail.com. And you can check out our Facebook page, Glory UJ Podcast Facebook page. Uh, also, one qu- other quick news item here. If you guys are newer to the show, you can also check us out on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. The big ones of course, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, the Stitcher, and TuneIn apps. You can also check us out on dogsportsradio.com. That's where we got started a couple years back. It's part of the V-Sport O. Internet radio network, so hopefully one of those work for you guys. And if you get a chance, I know we're all crazy busy out there these days. Uh, but if you get a chance, we'd really appreciate it if you just rate, review the show, share your thoughts uh, on any of those platforms. That would really help us out, and we would definitely appreciate. It. We'd love to get your thoughts there. All right, Kurt, let's go ahead and get in this man, and let's start off by taking a close look at the quarterback situation. I don't know. I, what were you expecting coming this game? Were you expecting Eason to see more time other than what he saw and just mop up duty? Were you expecting him to really get some snaps of the ones coming in, into this game?
1: Um, I honestly wasn't. I mean, I people, all right, people realize. Um, you know, I don't think they truly understand how little practice he had. I mean, he more or less sat for almost two weeks, and he when he first came back that Mississippi State game, I mean, he was only more or less just doing seven on sevens, uh, right? And that was, you know, really easy throws, wasn't really putting a lot of pressure on the, on the left knee with bracing himself and everything. And he really wasn't cleared to go 100% till Wednesday of the Tennessee game. So, I mean, the guy realistically has a week, uh, you know, I would say probably three, three or four practices of being 100% cleared.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really important thing to really kind of make sure we, we include in this conversation about the quarterback situation. Is you're exactly right. He was not, And Kirby made that clear. He was not 100% clear to play until Wednesday of the Tennessee week. Obviously, you're not going to get a lot of playing time in that scenario because you didn't get all the reps. I mean, really, Tuesday, Wednesday are big practice days, okay? For getting ready, win the game plan. You kind of set it up on Monday, watch some film. Tuesday, Wednesday, you go pads and you practice hard. Well, if you're not really clear to Wednesday, you're missing all those reps in Tuesday's practice, you're not really going to put yourself in a position to see serious snaps in a big rivalry game on the road, even if you are an experienced quarterback. So you got to factor that in there. And then you're coming here or on Saturday, going to Nashville, play Vanderbilt, and it really is first full week back, cleared, ready to go. So I do think all that has to be considered here. But let me ask you this uh, saying all of that, How much should we read into the fact that Eason did not see any time until mop-up duty on Saturday? Is this Jake Fromm's job to lose based off what we saw Saturday? Um,
1: I mean, I think Fromm has the you know he has a lot of support and you know he's got the you know that we're winning right now. But the one thing I do want to point out though is that people you know are all on the Fromm train. But let's be real, we're last in the SEC in passing, and we have yet to ask him to win us a game.
0: That's very true, but we have – and here's, the, I guess, the counter argument. I mean, that I know be. he's
1: been a great game manager, yeah, but there's even t- – I mean, there's going to be a time where we're going to need him to to win us a game, and we have yet to put him in that situation. I know you don't know if he can do it till he's in it, but I mean – Right now, we're still able to really protect him as much as we can compared to what we ha- How much we were, how much we were unable to protect Easton, his freshman year, asking him. I mean, in his first road start, to throw fifty times.
0: You're exactly right. I mean, look, we are. I mean, you're not exaggerating. We are dead last in the SEC in passing yards per game. 145 yards game in the Mississippi States right above us. there, But the next closest to us is Mississippi State at 169 yards. A game. So we're almost 25 yards below the 13th place team in the league in passing. But that, in some ways, can be kind of misleading because we haven't asked Fromm to throw it a lot. We haven't had to yet. took a quarterback rating, we're number 4 in, right now, we're number 4 in the conference in quarterback rating. So when we've had to throw it, we've been for the most part pretty efficient. Now he, Against Notre Dame, he was right about hovering around about 50% passing. But he's like, what was it, Saturday? 7 of 11. So not have to do much. But when he when he's asked to do something, he's executing, for the most part, what he's asked to do. So, going back to you, you're right, though, that he's saying that he has not had to put the team on his back to go win a game. He hasn't really had to and go I mean, out and let's it. be honest,
1: though, I mean, even in his passing, we talked about it last week. I mean, he's completing the passes, yes, but it's a lot of these one-read passes. Either he's thrown it to this one guy deep or just thrown it to the running back. We're not really asking him to read the field, which is you know, can be dangerous when you're going to face – I mean, even Florida, you know, I don't think their defense is that
0: great, but I think they're going to be the best of what he's faced. Um, Yeah, yeah, Cheney's giving him a very controlled passing game. You're exactly right. He has.
1: I mean, Auburn and even – and they say we win the East and you're going to go into Bama. I mean, we can't have a passing attack like that because their DBs are just too good.
0: Okay, so the question we have to – I think there's two questions we have to ask here and we have to answer. Number one, I'm going to throw this at you here. What Jake Fromm has done to date through six games – Will that be enough if he performs at that level? will that be enough to win the bigger tougher games on our schedule against the better defense against Florida, against Auburn, potentially maybe against Alabama if we get that far so a long way to go but it will what he's done thus far is that enough to win those games against those types of defenses or will he have to do more?
1: He's going to have to do a lot more. I mean, we're not going to be able to run for 400 or 300 yards against either of those – I mean, against those teams. I mean, we may be – I mean, we, we may have some success running against Florida because, you know, they're vulnerable. But, like, Auburn um, – and you know, if you get like you said, if we get past them and get into the championship game with Bama, there's no way. I mean, we can't expect our guys to have you know to do what the running backs to do what they've done the last couple of games. That's just not feasible. That's not realistic. So he's going to have to throw. I'd probably say twenty to twenty five times to beat a team like that.
0: Yeah, if not more, I, it's going to happen, guys. It's coming. We've we've been fortunate, and look, we've been and, good and, enough. And
1: here's the thing, too, though. You know, we talk about how when we've asked him to pass and everything, we have. But we also haven't put him in enough situations to be comfortable when the time comes.
0: And that that is concerning. With different
1: routes and different schemes.
0: And that is a concern of mine, absolutely. So you're on record here just now saying that what he's done to this point... It's obviously been good enough to get us to six and zero, which is huge. Yeah, I mean, it, I, you know, I'm not taking anything away from him. I
1: said he's completed passes; he's taken care of the ball for the most part. But it's not like we've asked him to win a game. So I mean, he's done enough to get us there, but we're going to need a lot more to get over humps.
0: Yeah. So you do, but you think the time is coming? I, I tend to agree with you. Where he's going to have to put the team on his back and win the game with his arm. Because look, we're not. You're exactly right. We're not going to be able to run for four and twenty three yards against Florida. We're not going to be able to run for four and twenty three yards against Auburn or against Alabama. And, and we'll maybe, maybe Eastern. Yeah, exactly. No doubt. I mean, we'll be lucky to break the 200 mark. So, look, and I'm not saying that Fromm has to, in those games, he's going to have to go out and throw for 400 yards, but he's going to have to throw more than 11 times. He's absolutely going to have to do that because it's coming. One of those teams is going to be able to slow down our running game enough, at least one of those teams. And Fromm is going to have to do more. So, I agree with you answering that question. The next question is okay, when that happens, if that happens, I think it's more of a win than an if right now. But when that happens, if that happens, can Fromm do it? Do you trust him right now? How confident, how comfortable are you right now? How much confidence do you have in Jake Fromm you know, being able to, to open say, it up? I, I, I'm and in, his,
1: in his, you know, accuracy and stuff, but his decision-making. Uh, I do have to say that Tennessee game worried me a little bit. I mean, the, the when the game was really, when the stadium was loud and this place was rocking, I mean, um, his decision-making was not great. Um, and, that, and I have to say and that Tennessee defense was not, you know, it's not going to be into the level of the the three, the three best defenses that we could face for the remainder of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think you're too far off base there. I would say, I don't. Think I mean,
1: I, you know, I'm not saying that I, I'm against it I just think, I mean, the Tennessee game. I mean, I don't. It, it's, I, it's. I don't know how people can't say that they're not a little bit worried after seeing what he did against that Tennessee game. I mean, uh, these last two games. I mean, especially Vanderbilt, we didn't ask him to do much, but I mean, we've only these two games combined we haven't had the past 200 yards so i mean it's not like we're getting a lot of reps and and tuberville made a good point you know even though he's a tool when it comes to you know um tell me how he, you feel being an announcer but he did make a good point that you can do practice and seven on seven and all these things in practice but the best way to get players better and make them understand the game that much better is by fil- uh the film yeah. of the games and we haven't had enough to you know I mean, like like you said, you know, 12 to 15 times recently. I mean, that's all we have to show from film-wise.
0: you got to get the reps in the game. So just so you can experience it in the game, and then you're right. Go back and watch it actually learn from it in the film room. There's there, there's no doubt about that. I, I would say against Tennessee, I agree with you that he made some poor decisions at times, but I, I, w- I would call it more inconsistent than bad because there were times he made good decisions, uh, pulling the ball, running those things, but there were there were a couple. He should have had three interceptions. Absolutely should have yeah, had three and, interceptions. And against a good team, that's a difference in they a game. They capitalized on those. Yeah, Tennessee. We were lucky. Tennessee is not good, and that's why they didn't I capital, mean, capitalize on those. Let's be honest.
1: The biggest change in the game in Tennessee was when they pick him off and then they have the bad snap, that easily could have been a 10-7 game with them having momentum.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And that gives them life, and
1: that changes the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing I was talking about leading up to that Tennessee game. I know that game was a couple weeks ago now. But if we were able to jump on them early, which we did, and don't allow them to sneak back in the game like we did two years ago playing up there when the crowd gets back into it and gets rocking again – then we, we could have run away with that game. We got out to the early lead and they almost got back into it after the interception. We got fortunate where they f- had the butt fumble there. We jumped the ball and we were able to capitalize on that and go up big, big at half. Uh, so, But you're right, it was fortunate. And better teams will not make those mistakes. Okay, So we can't count on the teams we were playing always making those mistakes down the road. We've got to be better. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think that he was inconsistent in making decisions that game. But I will say this, I do think that he's making growth. I, I, he's growing. He's making improvements. So I do agree with you that when we get to Florida, when we get to Auburn, when we potentially, maybe, hopefully, God willing, get to Alabama, knock on wood, if we get to those points, he's going to have to do more. But I don't. I also will say I don't think it's, we're going to see the same Jake Fromm that we saw week three, week four, week five. I think we're going to see uh, week eight, uh, week nine, a uh, week ten Jake Fromm. He's going to get better every week. So, But hopefully by the time he gets there, he's more equipped to kind of handle those situations. No, uh, I mean, I totally
1: get that, but I mean I- – you know, as good as he is and as, you know, experienced and, you know, as advanced as he may be getting over time, I mean, you still got to look at realistic at the fact that he's a freshman. I mean, look at Jalen Hurst. Jalen Hurst was the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, and he was a liability for them when it came big big game situations at the end of the season, the last two games. I mean, against Washington, he didn't yes. really do much and
0: against Clemson, he, he was an was SEC play Offensive Player of the, the Year for, because of his arm. We'll, I'll say yes. that for sure. For sure. Our um, right, left brings us to Jacob Eason here, man. Let's Let's talk about this a little bit. I honestly, I thought that he might see a little bit more time with the ones. Yeah, um, I thought he would
1: have seen a little bit more time. Yeah, but I didn't expect him to get a
0: ton of reps. No, I wasn't expecting that at all. But I, I expect him to get kind of worked in at some point, maybe in the second quarter, late in the first quarter, after the first couple of drives, something like that. If we jump out to a big lead or an early lead, which we did, <laughs> uh, so I guess my question. We all know that it didn't happen. He comes in, he sees mop up duty, and he has the the fumble. Who do you put that on? Was that was that on was that on Easton or was that just? Um, you know, circumstances. he could have made, uh, gotten rid of the ball a little quicker. He was indecisive I I, there. He was indecisive for, same, for sure. I
1: think, yeah, and I think that's the fact of why Kirby wants to get him reps. I mean, he's he's going to be indecisive right now because t- he, he's, he's out of it. I mean, like we said, when you're out of practice, I mean, that's like bringing a pitcher in in baseball without, you know, or, you know, without reps, warm-ups yeah. and
0: stuff. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's the biggest thing, and I think also that was a big mistake by the play calling.
0: Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about he, that. Are, are you, you're not down with, with calling that play right there? Having him open up and throw the ball down the field, um, not not the play action wise. Um, I think
1: that's a little bit wet, a little bit too long developing. And I have to say that's been one of my complaints against the play calling when it's come to Easton for a while. I mean, especially last year, a lot of when he got you know got hit, we were trying to call uh, downfield passing attacks that were taking too long to develop, and it was giving the guys the defense a chance to get the pressure to him. I mean, with Fromm, we don't run as many of these long developing pass plays.
0: it was a corner blitz? Um... On that play, that I mean, it, was just, blitz,
1: but it was a very slow. Very
0: it was no, it was it was well, UCLA. it was, and I, I I actually have no issue with the fact that we we were uh, wanting him, that we asked him to sling it around there. I was hoping we would when he came in. I, I told my wife and he says like I really hope we give him a chance to throw the football, kind of get into rhythm, get that rust off. So I had no issue with calling a play there. I, I do. I will say that I, I'm probably with you that it would have been nice to see something a little bit more than a, a slow developing play there, kind of get him into a rhythm. Yeah, um, I mean, you got to think about it like the, the next three passes were more of those quick three-step drops getting into rhythm passes, and he looked a lot better. Yeah, and Kirby took responsibility for that in the post-game press conference. He's like, look, man, I put, I mean, I put the he, guy I in I a mean, bad position. watch the game on TV or watch
1: the replay, you can see when Kirby, when Eason's on the sideline, Kirby goes up to him, you know, pass him on the helmet, Said so that's not your fault. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean, he he, he owned it. He said, look, I put, the, I put the guy in the bad position. Maybe that's just coach speak to a degree, but I, I think he also, I meant like, look, man, I mean, he's, he's out there with the twos, um, going against the steel, the number one Vanderbilt defense out there. So he yeah he doesn't have the resources that he would normally have going against a number 1 defense typically. But I, along on the on the same lines, I know he's rusty. And that's why I want him to throw the ball. I want him to kind of get into a rhythm here and also and also I just want to see what we have in him right now as a sophomore. But he was he was indecisive in that play. And I, he did a good job going through his progressions. His initial read was not there. He looks out to the to the um to the outlet there to the running back. Probably there was a guy out there. He probably would have had like a one yard game, maybe or gotten blown up. But he got to get rid of the ball in that situation. You got to you got to have more of a feel for that. But again, he he hasn't thrown the ball in a, or in a, in a game setting really in a couple of weeks, uh, really since the beginning of the season. So I mean, I'm not going to put too much of, of the blame on him there. I, I he probably could have been a little bit more decisive there, kind of hesitated yeah, you know, there. I think he could have been, like I
1: said, I think he could have been more decisive. But at the same time, I think it was just. I think there's blame on both. I mean, like we said, sure. he could have gotten rid of the ball, but at the same time, I just don't like the play call for that first play for yep. him. I mean, I think Vanderbilt was expecting that, honestly. That's why I think they came with the cornerback blitz.
0: Well, clearly they were expecting that. It's, I mean, based on what the, on the play call there, for sure. All right, well, so we, we saw him get in there in mop-up duty against Vanderbilt. Do you... Would you advocate him seeing more time or, I guess, any time with the ones moving forward trying to work him back into this, make it a true quarterback competition? Or is this already done? Is this Jake Fromm's job um, and he's I mean, just a bounce think, up?
1: I think from what he saw when he actually got into throwing, I mean, like I said, those three pass, those three rhythm passes looked really good. I mean, especially that one to the left, that outpatter. I mean, he threw a strike to hit him in the chest.
0: No, he yeah he he looked well he did, but there was that that was a great throw. The one to Crumpton, where Crumpton had to go low and kind of fall down to get it. Yeah, I mean, if he yeah, hits him I mean, in stride, Crumpton like like, might be gone. He had one guy to make miss, and he might be yeah, gone. I mean, he, yeah,
1: exactly. And I, but and see, and that's the thing where he, he did that, and then he comes
0: back, and then the next pass is where he hits Crumpton right. in the chest. I think it's one yeah. of those things where you, the more the more you throw, the more rhythm. I mean, you saw like
1: he, each throw was getting a little bit better.
0: Yeah, and like, we don't, we have so few throws to go off of him, so we're totally nitpicking here. Was I mean, he was three for three passing. So I mean we're we're absolutely nitpicking here. I mean, I I own that, but that's all we have to go off of right now. But you Unfortunately, well, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, but I guess my question is should Eason actually get time with the ones in a game setting? And I'm not talking like in the late in the third quarter. I'm talking like in the third or fourth series, in the first quarter or something. Should he moving forward, should he get some time with the ones to actually make this a real quarterback competition to see if is Fromm really best option for us right now, or is Eason, if if he gets healthy now that he's healthy gets more into rhythm, maybe he gives us something a little more uh, dynamic moving force. Do you would you advocate a situation like that, or should we just say you know what we're why mess with like, a good thing we're 6-0 like right a now team against
1: Missouri would be a good team to do it because I think the biggest thing is that. If we don't, we just hand the job. or I mean, if we just allow from to keep the job and we don't know what we have, Eason, the fact is he's gone. It, there's no, it's no it, you know, he's not going to stay. He's going to be gone 100%. and then,
0: Do you think he where, would stay uh, through spring or would he just be gone after the season?
1: He could stay through spring. I think it depends on if he was communicating with other schools and, yeah. um, never I have know, some... what Kirby could convince him to. I mean, Kirby did convince, I mean, you just don't yeah. know what, how, Kirby I, was
0: I, had, I was having, and the reason I bring that up is I'm having a conversation with a couple guys on Twitter, and I completely respect their opinions. I just, I had a couple people that are of the, of the opinion that Eason, even if he loses the job and doesn't get it back this year, he'll stay next year trying to win the job back. Uh, whereas I'm of the opinion, I, I would lean more towards if he doesn't win the job back this year, that he's going to leave right after the season. I don't think he'll stay for spring. I think he's going to want a fresh start, clean break, because if you're Easton, would you not want to be wherever you're going as quickly as possible so you can try to get—obviously, I mean, you have to sit out a year, but still, you want to get it with your new team as quickly as possible, get acquainted to the situation, to the offense, and try to learn that. I mean, the, the 15 practices you get in the spring, that's invaluable for a guy. Even if you're not going to play the next year, that's still invaluable moving forward for a guy. So I, I, I would be of the opinion that he'd probably leave before spring practice. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong. But, I I think
1: he I, there's a chance he could. But I also think that if it goes this way, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but I think he'd just be done with Georgia football in the South.
0: Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, five star quarterbacks they, like in this day and age, they do not stick around. If they lose a job, they do not stick around. They well, and, leave. and
1: that's what I'm saying. And not not only that, but I mean. Let's be honest. People were advocating before the season even started for Fromm to be the guy because that's just who they wanted.
0: Yeah, I, I do think, and they they and, yeah. him to. The, a lot of people were ready to toss him to the side before the season even started, and you know,
1: and that that's a real factor. I mean, you know, he, he everything he went through last year, to, you know, to try to help the team win. I mean, some of those last minute things and everything, but people were just so ready to get rid of him right away.
0: Yeah, I can, I can totally understand some resentment on his part because you're. Right. I, and look, it's, it's a it's a segment of the fan base. It's not everybody. But there are, you're right. There's a segment that I don't really think treated him fairly from, from the get-go. They expected him to be a superstar right out of the gate, uh, being like a, a SEC Offensive Player of the Year with with what he had to work with last year. And that was just totally unreasonable. And and they, they built a perception of him based off that, and they're not going to move off of that whatsoever. And you're right. They wanted the Georgia boy and Jake Fromm. And I love Jake Fromm more than anyone else. I and mean, I love Jake Fromm. But I still think we need to treat Eason fairly here. I don't know, man. So, like, if we – Here's my concern if, if moving forward we try to work Easton because I think Kirby wants to I really I mean Kirby loves Jacob Easton. From what I can tell I mean like, I don't know Kirby, don't know Easton, but just read between the lines, listen to press conferences, seeing how they interact, I, it, it, I think he, he really lo- he loves Jacob Easton it's his, it's his player and I think he wants to make sure he's treated fairly. I think he wants to give him time. but he's faced with a tough spot here because if you give him time with the ones in any game, early on like where he's actually getting meaningful snaps with the ones, that's naturally going to create a quarterback controversy now, not that's saying that we don't is. already I mean, have one already
1: but it's going I mean, to
0: fuel the fire if we do that if, yeah but does
1: it fuel the fire that much more to say that Kirby just pretty much threw him to the side
0: it, it could but I mean it, uh, well, if we keep winning it won't I mean, matter it won't matter case. if we either keep way, winning there, either way there's an argument there's going to be some sure. people that resent it I mean, well, yeah, that, that's, that's why I'm asking like, it I don't I, what he does there's resentment either way that's why I don't know what way to go here because what I'm saying is like if if we do play him, there's already a quarterback controversy controversy of sorts. But it would definitely I mean, like add fuel like to the fire. Of course,
1: the media, the media blows it up. People like us, everyone. I mean, this is this is the big topic to get
0: people to listen to. Unless yeah, and we're as guilty of- as anyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're exactly right. But let's say that Eason comes in, and From plays really he plays as well as he has been. Eason comes in, plays really well. On one hand, you say, "Yeah, you want to do that because you want to you want to push From, and you also want to see who's the better player in in the game settings. Well, you want to I mean, make sure like Georgia has just, the best player. Well,
1: just like it, what happened to Eason, all it takes is one land of sure. the leg wrong, and From's done.
0: Absolutely, I know you're you're exactly right. So I, I'm torn here because. I do want the best player to play, and right now I don't know if we know that Fromm's best player. He's playing really well right now. It's so hard to take a guy out when he's six and zero. Or, well, I don't say I, I hate when people say the quarterback's six and zero. No, the team is six and zero with him playing quarterback. He hasn't really done it all by himself. He's been a part of it. He hasn't done it by himself, uh, but. With a team 6-0 and we're rolling like we are, it's really hard to take a guy out. Because if you take a guy out and you lose a the game, then you're going to get murdered in the press. But what if, like we've been saying, what if Easton is better? And we don't know that. We're not going to know that with him getting mop-up duty with the twos going against the number one defenses. You can only figure that out in practice and also what he does in the game with the ones, with the same resources that Fromm has to work with, against the number one defense. So on, on that hand, yeah, I think maybe we should try to give him some time so we can make sure that we have the best guy playing. But, on the other hand, like I said, it could also add fuel to the fire of the quarterback controversy, whereas if you just said, oh, All right, all right, guys, Fromm's the guy, we're going to keep it that way, then you kind of you kind of just put it to bed, more or less, but then you're basically sacrificing Jackie Beeson because he's leaving, if that, if you do that. If you don't give him a fair shot to win the shot, if he doesn't think he's given a fair shot, he's leaving. And maybe that's inevitable. I, I don't notice, know. I
1: think that, realistically, um, as in the age of recruiting, anything can be used against you, too.
0: Yeah, it absolutely can. So, I... I mean, it's a it's a tough spot for Kirby. It's it's great. Maybe some people could say, "Well, it's a good problem to have two two five star quarterbacks that are this good." Maybe you can look at it that way, glass half full. But man, it's a tough spot for Kirby to be in here. Man, it it really he's between a rock and a hard place. And I do not envy him. They haven't made this decision at all, at all, at all. All right, uh, let's. We're going to talk about the obviously the Missouri game all week long. But let's just fast-forward to the Missouri game right now, just for a second. Does Eason see time with the ones against Missouri? If you had to predict right now on a Sunday evening?
1: I would. I think, uh, you know, Kirby wanted to get Easton some passes against Tennessee. He was only able to get him one. And he got him a few more passes this game. I think he's trying to work him in more and more.
0: Yeah, I mean, he got, what, one, one or two series against Tennessee. He got almost, not quite the whole fourth quarter, but the vast majority of the fourth quarter here. So I, I could see a scenario where that happens. Like I said, I think he, I think he knows what we have in Jacob Easton. I think he knows that Easton was poised. I think he feels strongly that Easton was poised for a big breakout year uh, in year two as a sophomore. After having a full year under his belt, he's got better offensive line, better weapons, receiver, running backs are healthy. You got just more playmakers all around. I think he wanted, to, he was very excited to see what Jacob Easton was going to show the world. And I think he wants to give him a shot. I really do. And you got to handle this right, man. Because look, chances are, no matter what Kirby does, if Ron wins this job and keeps the job, Easton's going to transfer. But if you don't give him a fair shot and he doesn't feel like he's given a fair shot, like I said a second ago, he is going to leave ex- immediately after the season concludes. Immediately. So I think you've got, you've got to be careful here, here in how you handle this. And I would not be surprised to see him get a series or so early on in that game against Missouri. I mean, Fromm's going to start, but I would not be surprised to see him get a series here or there. All right, well, so that's the guys we have on campus right now. But as you all, I'm sure, are well aware of at this point, Friday mid morning or Friday afternoon brought some incredible news. Some news that's been uh, much anticipated, I guess, uh, and that is that quarterback Justin Fields from Harrison High School is now, well, not I shouldn't say officially a Georgia Bulldog, but he has committed to play for our dearly beloved Georgia Bulldogs. Will be signing in December. It looks like he'll be signing in December. All he's he's on the path to be to be an early enrollee, but. it's... From listening to his press conference, he still has to make that decision with his parents. they are going to talk about it where he wants. He's a baseball guy also, so he has, I guess, hasn't quite decided if he's going to play baseball this this season. For Harrison, uh, if I'm him, I'm 100 percent just saying no to baseball and getting in here immediately, right? To be- um, I mean, he
1: could, but at the same time, if if he did that, I don't, I don't think there's much chance of him redshirting to create any separation.
0: I mean, if, if you have any—to me, and this is just me, like he can do whatever he wants. He's his own man and make whatever decision is best for him and his family. But if you're serious about winning, trying to come in and actually win this job as a true freshman, you got to be in here for the spring, man. You've you got to give yourself the best opportunity for that, and that's, that's enrolling early. So I'm, we'll see what he ends up doing. I, I, if I didn't predict now, i say he probably will enroll early, but I don't have any inside information there. Just To me, it makes too much sense not to. But looking at this commitment. Alright, number one player in the country according to ESPN 300 um, depending on what site you look at, Rivals 247, Composite, all that stuff he's still, he's either number one or number two quarterback in the country They were Trevor Lawrence highly rated, top five prospect all around uh, so what does a commitment like this what does Justin Fields' commitment mean for our program moving forward? Um,
1: I think it shows that change in this program um you know I think that we're trying to create a new identity I mean you know we always talk about just simple pocket passers but I think we're really trying to change it going to a dual threat I mean Kirby knows especially as a defense coordinator how
0: much trouble it is to go against these type of players he's
1: seen it firsthand yeah I think that he is building this team to try to be you know different and you know give us something that and I think at the same time I think it shows that how good of a recruiting staff we have? I mean, we had two five stars right now, and yet we land another
0: one. It's unbe- I mean, it's unprecedented. I mean, I'm sure some team somewhere along the way has landed three five three five star quarterbacks in three consecutive classes, but it's unprecedented for us. Like we've not even come close to that. I mean, can you? I mean, seriously, but wrap your head around that: three five star quarterbacks in three consecutive classes. That's insanity. Okay, and I, I know, yes, Mark Richt and, and Mike Bobo initially. We're recruiting Jacob Eason and got him committed. But Kirby shored that up when he was flirting with Florida late. Then he flips Jake Fromm, uh, got rid of um, Bailey Hockman, which I don't don't understand why we ever chose Bailey Hockman over Jake Fromm in the first place. Thank you, Brian Schottenheimer. Although, thank God it worked out. But, uh, yeah, I never quite understood that. When I was there at the 7-on-7 when Hockman committed, and I was like, "Uh, okay, he's not near as good a guy over here. That's just ripping teams apart in 7-on-7, but whatever. But it all worked out. Uh, And then, of course, Justin Fields – Get him to decommit from Penn State, fighting with Florida State. LSU comes in there. Auburn was a factor, but we were always the one constant. We were able to lane him. So I, I I think it's just another, just the latest sign that our program is about to take off. Okay, and I, I'm not I'm not ready to say we're there yet. We're six and zero right now, and we're looking really good. And we're doing th- we're beating teams in ways that we haven't beat teams in a long time, and not just one or two games. I'm talking consistently. And these are SEC teams that we're beating. I know it's variable, but still, going on the road to what we did What we did to Tennessee, what we did to Mississippi State. So this to me is just one more sign that, of where Kirby Smart is going to take this program. Landing a guy like this after already, like you said, having two five-star quarterbacks on the roster and a true freshman starting right now. So I, I think it's just showing us the sky is the limit for this program, and we are about to do some big things here in Athens. And I, I believe, and we're, again, we're not there yet. But Kirby is setting us up to be the heir apparent to Alabama. Nick Saban has, you know, he only has so many years left. And Kirby is setting us up to take that mantle and just run with it for the SEC. I, I truly believe that, 100%. All right, back to Justin Fields, though. Obviously, he's a highly rated guy. Now, this was a guy who was a three-star, okay, for a, for a while. He was, he was an afterthought. Trevor Lawrence, he, he was the guy, okay, in this class. Everybody had to get Trevor Lawrence. You know, we, it looked like we were probably going to land Trevor Lawrence. And he pushes his commitment date back the beginning of last season, ends up... Watching Clemson get off to a huge start, ends up committing to them. Everyone in, in the Bulldog Nation's flipping out. How do we possibly let this happen? How can Clemson come in here and take Trevor Lawrence? Blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, once I saw Justin Fields' mid year tape last year, I was uh, I was sold. And I immediately, I was, and I, and I mentioned it on the show last year, I don't know if you guys, some of you are newer listeners, but I mentioned it on the show last year, when I saw his mid year tape, I was like, I'm done with Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields is the guy. We've got to get him. And lo and behold, he just he tore it up uh, in the spring and summer camp circuit and just became a beast. But how good is Justin Fields, Curtis? Is he really worth all the, the accolades that he's getting right now and being as highly rated as he is, maybe overtaking Trevor Lawrence as the number one quarterback in the uh, country? He is. I mean, think about this. Let's be honest. He's taller than Fromm,
1: weighs more than Fromm, and runs faster than Um, Fromm. If you're being realistic, I mean, 6'3", about 225, almost runs a 4540. He probably has a
0: little bit of a stronger arm than Fromm, probably. A little bit.
1: And I have to say, you know, and he's not only just a runner. I mean, the guy's arm and accuracy is pretty ridiculous. I mean, he put up the most... The most prolific numbers at Elite 11 ever. I mean, completing like 70% of his passes, scoring on like 70% of the drives compared to 29% for the rest of the the competition, and then didn't throw a single interception.
0: Yeah, and that's that's insane. And those are the top quarterbacks in the country coming out of high school. I
1: mean, that's Trevor Lawrence.
0: That's Trevor Lawrence.
1: So people have talked about since his freshman year.
0: Exactly. Uh, But here's the thing. When he exploded onto the scene like that, jumping from a three-star to the number number one quarterback in the country, or at least the top two quarterback in the country, all of that at at those camp circuits was based on what he did with his arm. His legs had nothing to do with it at the Elite 11, all those camp circuits. Nothing to do with it whatsoever. And he was still showing himself to be the best quarterback in all those settings with the other elite quarterback process based on his arm alone. And then you add his legs to the equation, and you have a budding superstar on your hands. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but at some point when he takes over for us, that dude is gonna take us to places we've never been because he's just he is just a freakish athletic, a freakish guy in terms of his athletic ability and what he brings to the table. And he's also a guy that's he's he's got, he's a high character guy. Comes from a really good family, you know all, all the things you say about Jake Fromm coming out of high school, all of his the uh, the kind of the intangibles that people that I that I point to is I love him. He's a gamer. He's just. High football IQ, high character guy, works hard. Teammates love him. You can say the same things about Justin Fields. Maybe not to the degree you can say about Fromm, but not too far off. I mean,
1: and that's to be honest, Fields is a very smart guy. I mean,
0: yeah, uh, he, I don't know if
1: people realize He has a 3.9 GPA, got a 29 out of 32 on the ACT, got accepted. You know, Harvard offered him. This kid's not a dumb ass.
0: No, so I mean, this he's the total package. He, athletically, he's a total package. Intellectually, uh, character, family-wise, background. This guy is the total package. Okay. I I don't believe in the idea of a can't-miss prospect because I don't ever like to speak in absolutes, but he's one of those gets about as close as you can get to it. So uh, saying all that about him, if you had to predict, how will the quarterback situation in Athens look this time next year, Game 6, midway point of the 2018 season, with Justin Fields on campus, how does it look?
1: It really comes down to the fact that does he redshirt or not. I mean, if he enrolls early, I think he – um, is going to get reps. I think there's going to be packages for him. I think that the coaches would be dumb not to. But if he doesn't enroll early, I wouldn't be shocked to see him not get you know, packages and things. He,
0: he clearly gives us something that we don't have. And I, I know Fromm is he's using his legs more. He's more functionally mobile than Eason is. A little more mobile out there. And he's doing some good things with his legs, keeping defenses honest, which will help our running game become even more effective. But that's nothing compared to what, what Justin Fields can do with his legs. So I, he absolutely has something that... No one, he, he brings something on the table that no one else uh, no other quarterback on our roster brings to the table so I, I think you're exactly right if he enrolls especially if he enrolls early I'd be very surprised if there's not a package for him where he sees some time do you think he has a legitimate shot regardless of what happens with Easton and Fromm this year to win that starting job coming out of fall camp next year going into the 2018 season I
1: don't know a legitimate job to win it right away. I think he would have a shot to put himself in a great position, maybe throughout the year. I mean, he'd be just like Fromm is one play away from being the guy. And at the same time, he has you know things to separate himself from From That I mean, as as good as Fromm is, from just can't you know athletically do certain things that he can.
0: Yeah, I'll say this: Kirby's gonna play the best player. Uh, but I will say, don't don't count out Jake Fromm. As good as Justin Fields is, Jake Fromm is a winner, guys. And you've seen that first he's a gamer. He's he's the kind of guy guy's gonna take on a challenge and he'll 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 he'll, he'll live that up. He'll I am not gonna count him out. I know he does not have the athleticism that Justin Fields has from an athletic standpoint. He is not Justin Fields. You lay that out. Fields is bigger, stronger, faster. Probably got a little bit better arm. But Jake Fromm's just one of those dudes. So he's gonna I I can tell you right now he will rise to the challenge. He may not be able to hold Justin Fields off long term. Maybe not. I don't know. But I'm not gonna count out Jake Fromm. But whatever happens, we're just it's just a really good situation for us to be in. Uh, and you can't count out Eason. I mean, he, he's 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 still in the picture here. We have a lot of football left to be played out this season, so we just—it's really hard to predict what's going to happen next week, let alone 2018. But it's just kind of interesting to kind of get that that conversation out there. But all right, let's move on a little bit. Talk about this Vanderbilt game because uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the quarterbacks. Let's move on. Talk about the game specifically against the Commodores here. So obviously, we had a huge day run the football. 400, 423 yards rushing. We had two backs go over the century mark with Sonny Michelle right about 150 and Nick Chubb coming in there over 100 as well. Uh, but, Kurt, does, that, does our huge day run the ball against Vanderbilt? Does that say more about Vanderbilt and their defense or does it say more about our ability to run the football?
1: Um, I think it says more about their defense. I mean, let's be honest. Throughout, they were out rushed like what seven fifty to not even hundred the last two games. I mean, I mean they've given up two
0: hundred plus rushing yards in four straight games now, and two of those games were over four hundred yards rushing. That's us in Alabama.
1: And, and I'm gonna be honest. I mean, I think our offensive lineman did a great job, but they they didn't make it. They didn't challenge us. Yeah, even I mean, though you know, even though their coach claims that they're not afraid of Georgia at halftime because they're built to
0: stop Georgia dude, you know, I that's Derek Mason just needs to shut his mouth I was't gonna save him for shots fired but shut your mouth dude kind of semi calling out Kirby you know talking about stop with the coaching over dramatics you know with the quarterback situation during the week and when Kirby was asked about it in the press conference. you know I don't know if you saw it but Kirby was not super thrilled with that question when he heard that He's like really okay whatever I uh, took a little subtle shot at himself but then yeah we're not scared of Georgia at halftime okay dude just shut your face sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just had to get that in. But, uh, I mean, anytime you have uh, two extremes like this, right, is it more about Vanderbilt or is it more about us, typically the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? But if I had to lean one way or the other, I think I'm, I'm with you. I think it says more about Vanderbilt. I will say we were getting movement from the get-go, though. I mean, it wasn't like we just wore them down late in the game like we have uh, over the past couple weeks. From from the first snap of the game, we were just moving their defensive line. Like, they, they stood no chance, whatsoever. So I, I do think our offensive line is definitely improving. It was significantly better than where we were this time yeah, last definitely. year. Our offensive
1: line, since you Kimley know, got healthy, um, we have been just so much better.
0: It's, it's night and day with him in there, is it not?
1: It is. I mean, you, I hate to say it, but uh, we can go back to the play where uh, Easton gets sacked with a fumble. I mean, who misses the block but Dyshawn Sims?
0: Yeah, look, man, and Dyson Sims, is a, he's a DGD, man. He's a damn good dog. He's been here for a long time. He works hard. He's been a good leader for our program, but the fact is, Solomon Kinley is just—he's he, just a better player right now. He gives us something that, that Sims doesn't, and we, we were saying all along. One of the issues, the biggest issue we had in the offensive line was a size deficiency on the interior, and Solomon Kinley is the guy that, that solves that issue for us, and he's playing really well. And when he gets—I mean, you saw in the Nerd Dame game when he gets inserted in the lineup, we actually start moving the ball and we start scoring points. So uh, he's he's been a key, but it's not just him. I think the, the line as a whole is playing really well right now. And across the board, we're getting some movement that we did not see at all last year, even against a team like Vanderbilt. What we, we, we had less than 100 yards rushing against Vanderbilt last year. Is that right? I think like 76, something like that. Probably. And this is – I know Zach Cunningham's not there, so it's a different unit. But still, we go from under 100 yards rushing against them last year to f- over 400 this year. I, I got to give some props to the offensive line, so they're definitely doing their job. But this Vanderbilt rush defense is bad. Okay, like I said, 200 plus rushing yards in four straight games, two of those over 400 yards. Yes, that's against Alabama, and yes, that's against us, two of the top five teams in the country. You got to say that. But they were—they offered essentially no resistance whatsoever. I mean, it might, they might as well not even been out there. We might might as well just been running against air for half that game. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, was, it was a dominating performance on the ground, no doubt about it. All right, well, let's move on. Let's talk about the defense here for a second. Now, I was. Uh, I was on. I wasn't super thrilled uh, with the defense in the first half, to say the least. I got on Twitter and was saying a couple things, and not everyone agreed with me, which is okay. Uh, I love to hear everyone's thoughts, but uh, it, it wasn't the defense was playing poorly in the first half. They just weren't playing to the level that I w- had seen through the first five weeks. Kirby, yeah, I they were uninspired. The that that was the word I used. I said it was an uninspiring performance, that, and it wasn't a terrible performance. It just wasn't what we have seen through the first five weeks. Doesn't mean it was bad. Just wasn't to that standard we had set. And. And Kirby, and coaches say this all the time, and I'm all about it. It's not about who you play. It's about the standard you set for yourself. you got to play to the standard you set for yourself, and I don't think in the first half we did that. Kirby seemed to agree with me. This is what he said. I'm going to throw the quote out here, Kirby, and I'm going to let you react to it. Kirby said in the postgame press conference, quote, we did not play as well defensively as we need to. I don't think we got better this week. All right? So this is it. Now, all in all, the numbers weren't terrible. We ended up holding them at 236 total yards. But do you agree with Kirby? How would you assess the defense's performance against Vanderbilt as a whole?
1: Very inconsistent. Um, you know, I mean, Parrish had trouble. Uh, and then at the same time, you know, um, I have to say I think he's talking about the defense. You know, people like someone like Nate Trez going out and making a dumb mistake and not just hurting himself but really hurting the team. And that really, you know, held the defense back from getting better. I mean, Jawan Taylor, I mean, I thought he came in there and played, you know, played Pretty well, well. For for someone that just found out yeah. Friday morning they were going to start um but I mean I just thought that we, there were plays where the biggest thing that got me is I mean I saw it from everyone I even saw it from Ledbetter who usually doesn't do it but there were we were very inconsistent with holding the edge at times
0: yeah mo- there were multiple occasions where that happened and even like the first drive the, was it the first play of the game where they busted <laughs> one outside for 7 or 8 yards Then it was the second drive of the game after we scored a touchdown. They had a uh, 29-yarder up the middle. Bellamy
1: did it. Walker did it. Ledbetter did it. I mean,
0: Lorenzo did it. That was the only thing that drives me crazy because that's what our that's what killed us the past couple years. Yeah, and they've been doing it so well this year. You're exactly right. And then last year, and going back a year before that, that's what was killing us. Even with like with Leonard Floyd here, Leonard Floyd as great as he is and great as he was for us, he had issues with that. Uh, So, but we've been much improved there this year. But it kind of Regressed a little bit, at least in the first half against Vanderbilt. But it was kind of a story uh, of two halves. If you look at in the first half, Vanderbilt put up 187 yards, which is not—I mean, that's that's fairly pedestrian. But again, that's more than we've been allowing. And this is against the Vanderbilt offense that, in my opinion, just should not even come close to challenging us. But we do hold them to 49 yards in the second half. Here's what I had an issue with. This is what was frustrating me. In the first half, in third and long situations, and I define third and long as third and six or longer. They had six of those six scenarios, third and long. They converted thir- those third-down conversions four out of six times in the first half. Four out of six. That is unacceptable against a team like Vanderbilt. That's why I'm saying uninspired. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah,
1: I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, Schermer is one of the first few pocket passers we really faced, and we didn't
0: get after him. And we, you, yes. And, and, I, I, I yes. mean, I'll say Bellamy is playing with the club, so it's hard for him to play with leverage and things. But just still as a whole, though. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I just, it. I think again, going back to just saying, it was an uninspired performance in the first half. We we came. I don't. Know, maybe it was. How much do you chalk up that just being an eleven o'clock local start? and That was kind of a new thing for us. Does that factor into? Because they really the first couple of drives, they they gashed us a couple of times in the run. They moved the ball okay. Then we kind of bowed our neck when they got around the fifty, right around there. Forced punts. Then they have the. Um, the drive right before half, which pissed me off, man. You can't allow that. You up twenty-one nothing. You have a team like Vanderbilt on the ropes there, and I said to my wife, t- said to my wife in the stands after we went up twenty-one nothing there right before the half. I said we cannot allow points here. We'll finish them off. We don't allow points. We we'll give the ball in the second half. Lo and behold, what do we do with we'll them? Drive down the field and and get a touchdown right before the half. That cannot happen. Not against a team like Vanderbilt. You cannot allow that to happen. I mean, am I? Am I? Is this? Am I? too outraged here? Am I, am I, being, am I going no, overboard I mean, with this? Well, I mean, think
1: about it. I mean, I honestly, we're talking about the quarterback competition. I think that may be one reason Easton didn't get reps right away, especially. Be. Um, yeah, because I think Kirby wanted to be more ahead. I mean, against Tennessee, that was the difference. You know, we go up 17 nothing, and then we get a pick and turn around and make it 24 nothing. That was the difference. I mean, yeah. we didn't do that. We gave them a little bit of life, and I think the biggest thing was, too, though, if we hold them 21 nothing half, we get the ball to start the, 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 the second half, then we go down the score. You're up twenty-eight
0: nothing. That's that's the game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be Captain Obvious here for a second, but twenty-one nothing in the half is very different than twenty-one seven. It's very different. It's yeah, absolutely very different. That's and that kind of momentum, you know, it, it emboldens a coach like Derek Mason to come out at half and be like, "Oh, hey, we're not scared of Georgia." Da, 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 da. I'm like, "Okay, dude, just shut your face. We'll 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 deal with you later." But you can't allow that to happen. You you simply cannot do that because. Vanderbilt, okay, they were never a threat to beat us. Okay, they were never a threat to win that game. But when we're playing Florida, if we're playing Auburn, Alabama, like we said earlier, those teams that can challenge us, you cannot allow that to happen. When you score late like that to grab momentum right for the half to go up, you cannot allow them to drive down the field. And if Vanderbilt can do that, and yes, I agree with you. We said before um, in the preview show that Kyle Sherman was the best pocket passer we've faced to date. To date, now that would change. Give
1: credit, man. He threw some beautiful
0: balls. he's a, he's, he's significantly improved. From where I mean, he was he a year ago, nice he's a good player. He's a good player. He really is. I, I, I drew Locke's gonna be another step up for us this week against Missouri. We'll get to that later on in the week. But Kyle Shermers is—he's a, a legitimate player. Okay, he, he can throw—he can throw the football. He can spin it. But still, with the weapons that he has to work with and the defense that we have, in no way should we ever allow that. Then that offense to go down the field in a two-minute situation and score on us right before the half. That can't happen. That just can't happen. That, that's a letdown, and we're better than that. So yeah, I mean, the, the, the letting that happen. The four third down, third long conversions in the first half, that's not good enough, okay? Yes, we bowed our necks in the second half, and we came out firing. And I'm going to give the defense credit. We played significantly better in the second half, 49 total yards. We held them to in the second half as opposed to 187 in the first half. In those same third and long situations in the second half, they had four situations like that. They only converted one of those in the second half. So much better in the second half they obviously got a talking to. At halftime and came out yeah, firing? We
1: scored, we scored more in the third quarter than we did the entire first half.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Natrez there for a second. I'm going to bring him into the equation here. I'm going to save him a little bit for our shots, fire segment. But just I'm talking about on-field play here. How much of a drop-off is there when Natrez Patrick is not in the game?
1: A lot because, you know, for how big he is, he moves pretty well. Um, he's very physical, shedding blocks and everything uh, with his hand. He used his hands well, um, and i was just seeing the fact that he, you know, has experience over these yeah. guys.
0: Look, he's he's clearly not Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith's the alpha dog of this defense. Okay, Nature's Patrick is not Roquan, but he's he's a good he's a very good football player in his own right. And even even when we bring Reggie Carter in the game, is I mean, I understand the need. To rotate guys to keep them fresh, I'm totally cool with that. I understand it, but let's be real. Even when Reggie Carter comes in the game, who's the first backup? There's a drop off when we take Natres off the field.
1: Last year, when Natres got hurt his neck, yeah, and those games, there was a huge drop
0: off against in play. Tech, against Reggie Tech specifically.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. So when, when there's a drop off when we have yeah. we take Natres out and you put Reggie Carter in, well, Reggie Carter's out with a concussion. So you got the other guys. You got Juwan Taylor and Monty Rice. In there, there's going to be even more of a drop off. Now, I I I agree with you that T- that Jawan Taylor and Monty Rice. I thought they acquitted themselves well. For the, yeah, both
1: Malty, especially for a freshman, played pretty well.
0: Yeah. I mean, both those guys. That, that was the first time they really seen any kind of extensive playing time in meaning in, meaning, in meaningful yeah. situations.
1: Jawan played got some, got some solid PT as freshman year, but the last two years he's done nothing. Yeah,
0: he just hasn't seen any meaningful snaps whatsoever. So I thought, all things considered, both those guys played well. Um, When you could see Roplin out there kind of directing traffic and telling those guys what to do. I thought that Rice might be the guy. I know that Taylor's got seniority on him, but Rice has basically been working as uh, Natrez's position-specific backup, so I thought he might be the guy that started off. But it makes sense for Taylor. He's been around the program a little bit longer. He's been in the system a little bit longer. I get that. But Rice, Rice, when he came in, I thought he played pretty well. So I I thought they were fine against Vanderbilt. But when we're playing – an offense like Missouri, and I know Missouri's not good, guys. But look, that offense when they are humming, and they're, they've been inconsistent this year. But when they're humming, like they were against Kentucky, that offense is legitimate. They might be the best offense in the league when all things are hit when they're hitting all cylinders. And without Natrez, that concerns me. That 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 concerns me. At
1: the same time, I don't think I don't know how much he would have played. I think we're going to go to that defense where we saw in
0: the practice of things where Aaron Davis goes to more of a linebacker role to get. You think we're going to play a, a dime package almost the entire game?
1: I would would be very shocked if we didn't because I think we have faith in our front our front four, but front three more or less. I,
0: I I would under normal circumstances I would say yes, but without Trent in there, that is concerning to me. Without Trent Thompson in I the mean, game Without Trent
1: it is concerning, but I think Julian and Trent, uh, and
0: um, Clark Tyler is playing Martin really well.
1: Definitely hold I mean, that's the I mean, let's be honest though. Trent hasn't been
0: the guy this year. He hasn't he hasn't been I would okay. I would say he hasn't been dominant, but he's no, been I'm very right. good. Howard Parks pushed him for PT just as much. Yeah, absolutely, he has. But I, we're a better team when Trent Thompson's healthy and able to play. There's just I mean,
1: yeah, that's that's a, I mean, yeah. there's no
0: question. Yeah. About that, so I mean, I think, I'm and I, I'm not trying to make Missouri have to be world beaters here, but I just when that offense is hitting on all cylinders, they are very difficult to stop, and you want a guy, you want all hands on deck, and Nate Trez Patrick is a big part of this defense, so him not being in there. I mean, we we were fine against Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt's offense is pretty much trash uh, outside of Kyle Shermer. But I don't know, man. Moving forward, play some of these better teams. Even South Carolina down the stretch. So, well, is going to be out for four games, right? I mean, he's going to be out his second offense with our student code, handbook, whatever you want to call it, that calls for a four-game suspension. So it's going to be four games, and that means he's going to be out. I guess he'll be back for Auburn, right? Yeah. So it's that's I mean but you know we can't moan and groan about it. Next man up, he just got to you got to keep chopping wood as Kirby says and get it done. We got to get it done. But all right, let's move on here for a second. Uh we obviously we're we're clearly playing at a high level right now. We're 6 and 0. We're beating teams pretty handily here and and really dominating fashion. But are there any lingering concerns at the halfway point here that you still have about our team as we enter the second half of the season?
1: Consistency.
0: In what way? Is there a specific area where you want to see uh, more consistency? I mean, just, I mean, just both
1: sides of the ball, but the fact, uh, you know, like I said, in playing inspired and playing up to our 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 level. I mean, we saw it against Stanford. I mean, that's one thing that really pissed me off with the, with the second, you know, the end of the second quarter and stuff. Yeah. We weren't moving the ball and things like that, dropping passes. I mean, we've had we times had where yeah, we just don't play up to the cap- what we're capable of many times. Yeah,
0: we had against Tennessee. We had a lull about midway through the first quarter to midway through the second quarter. There, almost a full quarter of playing time, we we just weren't moving the ball offensively, and we got the defenses was keeping us in the game, and they were forcing turnovers and giving us short fields. But and finally, we got the offense got it going. But I guess that happens with any team. But th- there have been some lulls there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think that's a, that's a, that's a really fair point. Here's and you mentioned this a second ago. This is one thing that's concerning me right now. Okay. I know, especially against Notre Dame, you saw Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carr, the Wolf Pack, getting after the quarterback there and, and making game-winning sacks and playing really well and kind of making a name for themselves. And they've been really good this year. But we have not consistently gotten pressure with a four-man rush. That concerns me, okay? We, we were, we were fighting against Tennessee because Tennessee's offense is, is a train wreck right now. John Kelly's really good, but Dormity's bad, okay? We are fighting against Vanderbilt because uh, it's Vanderbilt, right? Mississippi State, they don't really have a true pocket passer, but we, we've been able to, we have been able to pressure quarterbacks, but that's by manufacturing pressure, okay? We are bringing looks from all over the place. When we try to pressure with a four-man rush, we, we've gotten the quarterback at times, but we in no way can I sit here and say that we are consistently not just sacking the quarterback, but pressuring the quarterback, affecting the quarterback with a four-man rush. Am, am I making things up, or have you noticed that at all? That's true. And, and that, to me, down the stretch, when we play a team like Auburn, even Florida, when you play South Carolina and Jake Bentley, those guys that can actually hit balls down the field and threaten you vertically, we're going to need to get pressure with four. Because One of the things that's really... We've been playing a lot of bump and run coverage on the outside, and we've been able to get away with that because we haven't really played in the elite quarterbacks. Now, Kyle Sherman's the closest we've seen to that. He's not elite, but he's a good player. And look, look, look Just look at that ball he threw down the sideline there to the one-yard line right for the half. If you can throw dimes like that against bump, bump, uh, bump and run coverage there like we've been running... That can hurt us, okay? And if if we're having to manufacture pressure and putting our guys on an island out there against some of the better quarterbacks, like a guy like Jarrett Stidham, that and Jake Bentley at South Carolina, Drew Lockins, Missouri, if we cannot get to those guys with a four-man rush – and, and give those guys some help over the top, they can burn us. They absolutely can burn us. So I think for us to continue to be as successful as we have been defensively, I really would like us to pick it up and get more pressure with a four-man rush and not always have to kind of manufacture pressure and bring blitzes from different looks. Because we've gotten pressure at times, but we're, we're, we're stunting guys, we're looping guys here and there, we're bringing it, we're bringing it from all different angles, bringing different positions. So we're, we're able to do it that way, but when we go with a four-man rush, I'm not saying we haven't been able to do it, it's just not consistent. Not consistent, and I think also when you we mentioned this earlier, what will we do when we face a defense that can stifle our ground game? It's coming, guys. It's coming. Will Jake Fromm, whoever's back there, will we be able to throw defenses out of those looks and beat teams throwing the football down the field? I think. I think the answer is yes. If you had to lean one way or the other, do you think Jake Fromm is capable of doing that?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. I think. I think hitting. I mean, <laughs> I mean, can he do it? Yeah, that's not I, – I think the question – I mean, I think
0: he will can he do yeah. it. Will he do it? Because it's, it's going to happen. Do it. it's a
1: big, yeah, will he do it is a bigger
0: question. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. It's concerning. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, he's – there's going to
1: be a time where he looks like a freshman. Yep. It's
0: that's be coming there. too. That's coming too. You saw glimpses of that against Tennessee like we mentioned. But, I mean, yeah,
1: we've used two timeouts in the first, first, like, yeah. first 10 minutes of the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I believe in Jay Fromm, man. I think he can get it done, but I, I'll, I'll still say until you see it, you just can't sit here and say with 100% confidence with a straight face that it's going to happen. But we're going to have to do it at some point. That, so that's concerning until it happens. That um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to be concerned about that. All right, let's move in. Last couple of segments here, and we'll get you guys out of here. Uh, we've got our shout-outs and our shots fired segments here. So, Kurt, let's start with the good stuff, man, and let's give some shout-outs to some deserving players. So I'll let you start us off, man. Who's your first shout-out going to? Sam Pittman. Boom! Yeah, I uh, I'm with you. I got the offensive line, but I I can't argue with Sam Pittman. He's done a great job. Of this group hasn't he? Yeah, I mean,
1: finally, finally, the pieces. You know, more more of what he wants, and he's you know, g- guys have gotten better in year two under him.
0: They really have, and that's the mark of a good coach. Guys making consistent progress, and I don't think you can argue that. You mean you've seen Isaiah Win playing the highest level? He's, I know he's a senior now, but he's playing at the higher level than he's ever played at in his career. Uh, Gillyer playing a new positions, playing better. Uh, Obviously, Kinley didn't play a ton last year, but he's a he's a redshirt freshman. Actually, Kiko had one snap and he redshirted, uh, but he he's definitely playing really well as a redshirt freshman here. And you got and you got a, a true freshman at right tackle, Andrew Thomas, playing at a pretty high level as well. So definitely a shout out there to uh, to Sam Pittman. I'm gonna give a shout out to the offensive line as a whole, but specifically in this one game, I thought Lamont Gilliard had his best game of the year. Uh, he was getting movement. All game long. And we were just gashing. And we were, running the, we were running that split zone look over and over. And we basically ran about three or four different running plays the entire game. And we were, we were in the split zone look heavily where you have the H-back coming across the line there. Um, and it's still on the backside. And we were just gashing. But Gilliard, snap in and snap out. And really everyone on the offensive line was getting movement pretty consistently. But I, I thought he stood out more than anyone. And I thought he's he's done a really good job kind of transitioning to center outside of the – the little the snap infractions had, like, three of those to start the year. But uh, I thought he's played really well as a whole, and I thought he played really well on Saturday against Vanderbilt. All right, who's your next shout-out?
1: Um, Probably Sony, actually. I, mean, I know Chubb had a great game, but I thought Sony Buck 50. Uh, didn't get enough credit for what he
0: did. Buck 50, man. Yeah, he had a huge game. Sony is such a war- warrior. Do Both those guys are just – I don't know i mean I know we all realize that those guys are great players and we're lucky but I don't know if we realize just how lucky we are to have not just players like those two but guys like that okay leaders like that and what they've sacrificed and done for this program coming back like they did those are just two rare guys man just rare dudes and uh i, I love them man and so I, they, to me it's like Smith's on a permanent shout out he's he's on this he's permanent fixture on the shout out list you could almost say the same for those two guys as well uh my next shout out here and I know he didn't play much. And uh, he wasn't the starter. But uh, I'm going to give a shout to Jacob Eason here, okay? Uh, I, and I also want to give a shout-out to Jake Fromm, too. I, you know, he, The ball, he played really well. He's in control at all times. It's hard to give a shout-out to Eason if you don't give one to Fromm. That ball he threw to Terry, uh, that shot down the field, that was beautiful, man. And I will say, that was the throw that Jacob Easton did not hit consistently last year. Throwing the ball down the field like that, you got man coverage out there, guy running open. We didn't consistently hit those. So I know Fromm didn't throw the ball a ton, but he hit that ball. But back to Eason here. Look, I just want to say something real quick about Jacob Eason. Because there's I the, – the I don't want to say the fan base is divided, but there's a lot of people in the Easton camp. There's a lot of people in the Fromm camp, okay? And I, I've come across people on both, both sides of the aisle there. But some of the hatred for Jacob Eason and – and is that too strong of a word? Is hatred too strong of a word? I think there's some people in our fan base – maybe hatred is too strong. there's a lack of appreciation. Yeah, just the way some of the people in our fan base have treated Jacob Eason I think is shameful, okay? And I'm not saying everybody. There's some people that just they're just – they've been against him since almost day one for whatever reason. It, it, it's just I, I don't I don't quite get it. Some
1: don't, you know. Some don't like that West Coast vibe,
0: and, I, and they don't. And I, and I get it. if you're if you're from Georgia, from the Southeast, it is a different vibe. I totally understand that. But this is a guy that came literally across the country to play for us. Okay, the offensive coordinator and the head coach that he originally committed to both left the program under different circumstances, but they both leave the program. But yet he still chose to come across the country and join our family, become a part of the Bulldog Nation. He was put in a very difficult position as a true freshman. He never complained, at least not that we ever heard about, all right? And he kept grinding. He worked hard all offseason. He gets hurt in the first game, and his replacement, let's be real, he's played really well. Franz played really well, well enough to lead us to a 6-0 record. But Jacob Beeson has done nothing wrong, okay? The idea that he's done something wrong... I don't understand where that's coming from. And the people who are kind of gleeful over him getting hurt and Fromm playing so well. Look, guys, I'm, I love Jake Fromm. I'm happy Jake Fromm is playing well. I love the guy. But Eason has done nothing wrong. He has done nothing to, to deserve anything less than our 100% unconditional support. And the, one thing, the reason I want to give him a shout-out here, more than anything, and, and, and most of you, I mean, it, it really probably went unnoticed because why would you notice this? But late in that game when Holyfield fumbles, right? Who was the one yeah, diving on that like loose ball. On
1: that ball?
0: He didn't have to do that. Okay, that game was out of hand. There were violent players all around it. He, but he, without almost without hesitation, just dives in the middle of that pile, jumps on that football, risks his body, and I know, okay, yeah, it's football, you know, jumping there, whatever. But he just he dove that. He didn't have to do that, guys. Okay, and I know it's a small little thing. But that right there tells me that he he's he's still with this program. He's still buying into this. He's he's a good teammate. He's doing what it takes to help this team win. It was a small little thing. But when he saw that ball on the ground, he didn't hesitate. He didn't stand. Like Ole Miss last week, I don't know if some of you guys watched the Ole Miss-Alabama game when they threw an interception. I forget which receiver it was. Maybe it was A.J. Brown. I forget who it was. Right, but he just and literally the let the, literally just stood and watched the Alabama defender run by him. Literally just stood and watched. Okay, That is a bad teammate jakey beason didn't do that okay he didn't have to jump on that ball but he did okay put his body on the line there were very guys guys are going after that ball i know it's a small thing maybe i'm blowing it out of proportions here but that right there tells me this guy is a good teammate and he's still he's still with this team he's still buying in so i, w- I want to give him a shout out for just for sticking with it i know he's in a really tough spot right now i mean i can't imagine can you imagine what he's going through right now emotionally where he worked all offseason he's He's he was going to be the guy. He's you know the Kirby, the whole fan base. He was excited, to kind of show the world, kind of shut, shut up the Greg McElroy's of the world, show them what he was capable of in his second year with all the new weapons, a better offensive line, better defense, and then you get hurt like that to and have it have it kind of ripped you out from under you. And then, in his face. Yeah, absolutely. So like in, in all the and, and to sit here and watch us play as well as we have, I mean, you got obviously he's happy for the team, but you know something inside of him is like it, it hurts to sit there and watch that when you put so much work into it. And for the team to be successful, but you can't necessarily enjoy the success yourself. So to just kind of keep working like he has, I just gotta give him a shout out there, man. Alright, you got anybody else? No. Alright, I got one more quick one here. Elijah Holyfield. Alright? Again, I know he's only coming up, he's only coming in, in mock-up duty. But when he's given an, when he's gotten an opportunity, this dude has made the most of it. Alright? I absolutely has made the most of it. every opportunity he has. That one touchdown run he had, and that quick little jump cut and that acceleration that burst out of the jump cut. Uh, that's elite, guys. That is elite. Elijah Holyfield is a player. And I know he's a popular, uh, candidate. I guess people talk about him being a candidate for, uh, to be a transfer after the season. Because, you know, you got, obviously, DeAndre Swift. you got Zeus coming in. Hopefully James Cook. He's so much better than Harry. It's, it's not even funny, man. Like, I, I, I still go back to it. When I saw the open practice two years ago, his freshman year, he was the best. I mean, Sony wasn't playing... He had his hand injury, but he was the best running back on the field that day. And he gets hurt, and it, it set him back, and, ho- and Herring was able to kind of jump in there and, and make a name for himself early on last year. But Holyfield is better than Brian Herring. I'm just telling you right now. In my opinion, Holyfield is better than Brian And I think he needs to see – I think the, the the ball distribution, the carries distribution, I think he needs to reflect that moving forward. Not that Herring's in a lot of carries anyway – but Holyfield is hey, – I mean, I got to
1: say, if you watch the game, Harry seems to have a bad attitude
0: right now. Just, I don't think he's oh. thrilled that the fact that uh, DeAndre Swift came in and is, is kind of taking hold of that number three running back spot. I think you can definitely say that. Uh, but Holyfield, when, he, when he's getting a chance, he's making the most of it. And I maybe he will chance. I can't sit here and say he won't. But just to kind of just say that he's not good enough to ever see the field with us, I don't think that's true at all. I think he will – I am hopeful that he will stay – this year, and see and kind of compete for that job, and see if he can get in the rotation next year with with Sony and Nick leaving. Because I think the guy can play, and uh, I'm 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 excited to see what he can do in the future for sure. All right, last segment here before we wrap things up. So that's the good stuff. Those are the shout-outs. But let's look at who we're gonna be firing some shots at here, Kurt. So for our shots fired segment, who are you firing shots at first?
1: I gotta say Malcolm Parrish.
0: Ah, yeah, man. You get what do you your seeing? Shots,
1: you know, try to get your position back, and then you don't really take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, I mean I I had to say after that that touchdown drive to the first half, I, I tweeted out, I was like, I love and I love Malcolm Parrish. He's he's one he's another one of those guys, just a great teammate, great dude. Lose he gets hurt in the in the fall or in fall camp and Kirby's talking about how, how he had one of the best fall camps to that point. He was really excited to see what Malcolm was gonna do this year. He gets injured, Tyreek McGee it's very similar to what you see in the quarterback situation. Tyreek McGee was playing at a really high level, um Parrish didn't complain. He accepted his roll comeback. Basically he was only playing in the dime packages the first couple games back. Uh, playing about 15% of the snaps or so. Uh, he it looks like he had, he had earned his starting job back against Vanderbilt. But he right now, Tyreek McGee's just playing at a higher level. And he, was, he got a couple balls complete on him, that one down the sideline there that put him on the one-yard line right before the half. And I tweeted out that I love Malcolm Parrish, and I do. He's a great player, works really hard, been a great teammate, great leader. But right now, I mean, are you in agreement that Tyree McGee's just playing at a higher level? Uh, yeah. I think it's uh, almost without doubt right now. And Kirby, and you saw that kind of reflect in the second half with – who we put out there uh, after halftime? So and uh, it's everything
1: come back in until scrub time.
0: Yeah, it's, and yeah, and the dime looks as well. But yeah, it's uh, I, th- I think right now, it's McGee just he gives us a better a better chance to win right now. All right, I got only got one here for shots fired. Look, we're, we're we're playing at a high level. It's really hard to, to pick up to nitpick here too much. But we mentioned him a second ago. I was saving saving it for the shots fire segment here. But Nate Tres, Patrick, man, you you can't do that, dude. You simply cannot do that to your teammates. You can't do it, and I don't know if, from I don't know if everyone's heard kind of how this went down. But from what I've been able to gather, my understanding of the situation is that uh, this is. A, correct me if you've heard something different. This is what I've heard. That uh, I think it was Thursday evening. Right, he pulls up to the uh, on Clayton Street to the, the there's a shop called the Lazy Shopper right across the Mellow Mushroom. And instead of parking in a parking spot, he literally just parks in the left-hand lane of Clayton Street and just stops the car, gets out, goes in Lazy Shopper, and from my understanding, he goes in to buy some rolling papers, right, to smoke this weed, right? Well, obviously, the cop sees that he's parked illegally, just sitting there parked in the left lane of Clayton Street, which, number one, is just idiotic, dude. Like, if you're going to do that, don't be that dumb. Just don't be that dumb, okay? And we all make mistakes. I make mistakes on a minute-by-minute basis. I mean, I'm an idiot. I really am. So I I shouldn't be casting stones at anyone. But when it's something that selfish, I, I, I have to call you out on it, man. Natres is a huge part of our defense. And like we said earlier, there's, there is a drop-off when he is not in the game. And to park like you did, to draw the cops' attention, obviously going to smell the marijuana and it goes, it takes off from there, that is just the height of selfishness, man. He put his desire to get high over his team and what was best for his team. He's not the only guy to do things like this, okay? He's probably not the only guy in on our team to be smoking weed right now, guys. He's probably not, okay? In fact, I can say with almost 100% certainty he's not. But you just can't do that. You can't – I don't want to say the word dumb. I don't want to call him dumb, man. But, like, if the shoe fits, I don't know. Like, you just – you have to be smarter than that. You cannot put yourself in that position and you cannot put your team in that position, man. We need nature as Patrick on the field, so, nature has dude, I'm sorry. Just got to fire a shot at you, man. Got to fire a shot there. Anyone else? Uh, oh,
1: no. All
0: right. Well, all right, well, that's that's it for me. So I guess that's gonna wrap up the show here today, guys. Definitely appreciate you listening. It's been awesome, uh, at least an awesome start to the season here. Six and zero. Got a lot of football left to play here. A long way to go with some big games coming up here. And do not sleep on Missouri Tigers. I know they're what one in five, one in four right now, but this team, that offense, is humming. They can scare you. They can put a scare into people. Now, the defense is terrible, but we'll get into them all week long here. But uh, thanks for listening today, guys. We really do appreciate it. So for Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go Dogs.